Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to 10WT Friday where every week we teach you how to form the healthy habits that will transform your body and your life. In order to transform, you have to start with your why, then set your goals, identify your weekly behaviors that will get you to your goals, track your progress on a scoreboard, and set micro habits each and every week that set you up for success. If you do these steps, your habits will be rock solid, your self-confidence will skyrocket, and you'll be on the path to your best you. Every week, we help health-conscious people like yourself optimize their potential. I'm your host, Nick Carrier, and today I'm really excited to talk about part two of the six rules to healthy eating. Last week, we talked about the first three rules, so if you have not listened to that episode, make sure you go back and listen to it, and today we're going to talk about the next three, the next three, and also, if you would rather, or not even rather, if you would additionally like to download my free PDF slash ebook called The Six Rules to Eating Healthy, then make sure you go to netcarrier.com right now and you can download it for free. And you can get this in text, written out, and we talk about what the rule is, why it's important, and then how to actually apply it practically. We talk about what it is, why, what to eat, and what not to eat. So let's go ahead and get going with rule number four. Rule number four is eat high quality protein because where it come from comes from matters. I think this is of all the macronutrients, carbohydrates, fats, and protein. Protein is one of those things that people often just focus on quantity rather than just quality. They focus on the, the quantity of grams of protein that they're getting rather than actually where the protein is coming from. And so we want to talk about where it's coming from and why it's so important. But before I kind of dive into that, Let's talk about what is protein in the first place. Protein is found throughout your body in almost everything, in your muscles, in your bone, in your skin's hair, and virtually every other body part or tissue. It literally makes up enzymes that power many chemical reactions and the hemoglobin that carries oxygen in your blood. And also the building blocks of protein are your amino acids, the essential part of our human body and our, and our makeup. So it's why is protein so important? Amino acids, like I said, are literally the building blocks of all those things, bones, muscles, cartilage, skin. In order to sustain those things across time, we need protein. That's why so many people talk about the importance of protein as you get older. If you get older and you're not getting adequate sources of protein, your muscles are already struggling to stay at the same size as they're, as they're at as you get older. But if you get not adequate amounts of protein, your muscles will slowly fade away. Next, your body uses amino acids to build and repair those structures that I talked about, muscles, bones, etc. And so it's really important that when you break down your muscles and when your bones naturally break down over time, that you have amino acids to help repair those things. One another reason why protein is so, so important is because our skeletal muscle mass, which is made up of protein, is a huge determinant in longevity. It's a huge determinant in your overall metabolic health. It's one of those things where the more muscle muscle mass you have, the more cells you're going to have. Therefore, the more mitochondria you're going to have. Therefore, when you eat, the more mitochondria you have to be to use that food as energy. And so, your overall metabolism is going to be much faster with the more muscle that you have. That's why, generally speaking, men have a faster metabolism than women because they have more muscle mass. They have more cells to use food 
as energy. So in order to build muscle mass, you need protein. Protein builds muscle mass, which helps maintain metabolic health and helps optimize metabolic health. And the last one of the last reasons why protein is so important is because it helps you keep full. It literally sparks the hormone of leptin, which is your satiety hormone. There's this release of leptin from our stomach up to our brain that tells us we're full. And protein is one of the biggest macronutrients that sparks the movement of the hormone leptin from our stomach to our brain, telling us we're full. So super, super key because it's our build, it's building blocks, metabolic health, and provides us with that sense of fullness and satiety. Next, we're talking about what kind of protein is really important. You see, not all protein is created equal. There are nine essential amino acids, meaning that we can only get them from food. Our body doesn't make them ourselves. But there's also 11 non-essential amino acids where our body does make those, but you can also get it from your diet as well. And so those nine essential amino acids are really the ones that we want to ensure that we're getting from our diet. But then there's also, of those nine, there are certain ones that are even more important to carry out some of the functions in the body. And three of them are considered the BCAAs, which are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Leucine in particular is really responsible for muscle growth. Not just one amino acid is responsible for for muscle growth, but one might play a bigger role in muscle growth than the other, and that's going to be leucine. Isoleucine is really responsible for directing glucose to the cell for energy during your workouts. And then the last one, valine, is it helps limit damage to muscle tissue if you're doing long workouts. Because if you're doing a really long workout and you're depleting your body of all its energy storage, then sometimes your body will recruit protein in your muscles and break down your muscles for energy. But if you have the amino acid of valine, then it ensures that it you don't break down your muscle for energy and it helps limit the damage to that muscle tissue. Now, one of the things that I should say about BCAAs is most people can get adequate BCAAs from your diet. BCAAs are one of the most common, BCAAs stand for branch chain amino acids and it's a popular supplement that a lot of people take nowadays, but a lot of people take it when they don't really need it. Really only people who are working out a ton, maybe professional athletes or bodybuilders are going to be people who need BCAAs, unless you're just not eating them at all from your diet. But again, the BCAAs are responsible for muscle growth, but you can get that adequate from your diet. They're responsible for directing glucose to the cell for energy during your workouts. But again, most people can do that because they're having limited number of workouts. And then the last one is it limits damage to muscle tissue during long workouts. Most people are not doing long enough workouts to be breaking down their muscle for energy, unless they're going into workouts just starving themselves and having no energy source in their body in the first place. And so you probably don't need a BCAA supplement unless you're a professional athlete, a bodybuilder, or you're just not doing a good job of getting BCAAs in your diet. But we'll talk about how to do that coming up here shortly. And another really important amino acid is something called tryptophan. A lot of you guys have probably heard tryptophan being in Turkey and why after Thanksgiving dinner you get really sleepy because tryptophan is one of the things that gets you to fall asleep, which is why it can be a good food source or a good protein source to get in before going to bed to help you fall asleep. But tryptophan is not only the sleepy hormone, but it also is a happiness hormone. So it helps to produce that, that sense of happiness in your brain. Now let's get into the practicality of it. What should you be eating protein-wise? Wild-caught salmon, 
mackerel, sardines, herring, some great fish sources right there, grass-fed beef, poultry, pasture-raised chicken and eggs, pasture-raised pork with no nitrates or nitrites, and then from the plant sources point of view, walnuts, pecans, almonds, cashews, pistachios, and you can have the nut butters of those things as well, flax seeds, chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, black beans, chickpeas, quinoa, oats, lentils. Those are some of my favorite and almost every single one of those I have on a weekly basis. Things that you should not eat from a protein standpoint is you want to stay away from processed meats that contain nitrates and nitrites. So a lot of like hot dog or sausage links will be processed with nitrates and nitrites and you want to make sure you don't have those. And you also want to stay away from feedlot beef and farm-raised fish. You want to stay away from protein powders that are ultra-processed. So many of the protein powders out there just have a bunch of crap in them. They're not going to be good for you. And a lot of things that advertise themselves as protein bars are super-processed as well. So if you look at a protein bar, quote protein bar, and you look at the ingredients label, and there's a ton on there that you can't pronounce, there's probably a lot of preservatives and artificial ingredients in there that you want to stay away from. That one was a long rule, but it was so important that you heard. Rule number five is about optimizing your food preparation, especially preparing your food with the right oils and how to prepare your meats. Because you see, food is information for your body, and the information that it provides your body is not just based off of what you eat, but it's based off of what has been done to what you eat. Because there are certain foods that can literally be healthy for you if prepared one way and not healthy for you if prepared another way. And so a couple of things to focus on, like I said, is using the proper oils and preparing your meats in the proper way as well. When we talk about oils, we want to make sure that we select oils based off of their smoking point. So three different oils that I like to use for varying different things. One is olive oil, then coconut oil, and avocado oil. Olive oil has a really low smoking point of 320 degrees. So it should not be used for high heat cooking. It should be used for low to medium heat cooking. But anything I put in the oven now, if it's above 350, which it almost always is, I make sure that I use avocado oil rather than olive oil. Coconut oil is another one that provides you with some great healthy fats and some medium train MCTs, medium chain triglycerides. You can learn about that if you want to research it, but coconut oil, the smoking point is 350 degrees, so low and medium heat, and then avocado oil, 520 degrees is that smoking point. And the reason the smoking point is really important is because when that oil reaches its smoking point, the bonds flip and can become a trans fat. And we don't want to have that. So we want to make sure that we cook below their cooking points. So olive oil, low heat, used for salad dressings, coconut oil, low to medium heat, and then avocado oil, high heat. And then the how to prepare your meats. The problem is sometimes when we pre- prepare our meats the improper way, we're going to create what's called AGEs or advanced glycation end products, which can lead to various diseases and plaque buildups and and things of that nature. So in order to avoid creating these AGEs by preparing them in the wrong way, there's a few different things. One, we can prepare these meats with moist heat, meaning like soups and stews. We can prepare with acidic ingredients. So when we're marinating our meats, we can use balsamic vinegar, apple cider vinegar, any source of vinegar. We can use tomato juice, lemon juice, red wine, and then another couple easy things are preparing with spices. And then lastly, if you if it applies to you, you can prepare on ceramic surfaces as well. That helps to prevent the production of these advanced glycation end products when you're cooking meat at high temperatures. Those are what to use 
and then what to avoid are using cooking oils like corn oil, canola, canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil, palm oil. Those are things that we want to avoid. All right, lastly, rule number six is maximize the benefits of meal timing. Your meal timing should be based on what your goals are, both biologically and physiologically. So one of the things that was really important, or not really important, but was widely believed to be important was to eat like six small meals a day and to continually continually eat, but that has been debunked and basically nobody believes that that is what you should do from a biologically beneficial standpoint. The only reason why maybe eating six small meals a day could be optimal for you is if you really struggle with snacking and you really struggle with over consumption of meal quantity. If you just eat a ton with each meal that you have and you eat small meals, maybe it'll help decrease the overall amount that you eat. But generally speaking, from a biological standpoint, you need to give your body some time to rest because if you're in constant digestion mode, then your body doesn't have any time to dedicate to being in repair mode. And so you need to give your body a little bit of digestive rest so that it can actually repair. And so there's a few different things when it comes to meal timing that are really important. Number one is this word called autophagy. Autophagy literally means self-eating. Auto is self, phagy is eating. So self-eating. And what it means from a biological standpoint is cell death or cell regeneration. You see, there comes a time when there are certain old and unhealthy cells inside of your body that you would benefit from being eradicated. You would benefit from those old, old unhealthy cells dying off so that healthier cells can come replace them. And that can only happen when you're at digestive rest. Another thing that's important when it comes to meal timing is if your goal is muscle growth or maintenance, then you want to ensure that you get proper amounts of protein and amino acids after your workout to activate muscle protein synthesis. Now, one of the things that I haven't been able to determine what my true opinion is on is how quickly after your workout you need to get these proper amounts of protein. It seems to me from the research that I've done, some people think you know within an hour or two is really important. Seems to me that generally speaking, if you get it within the day or if you get it within maybe even 12 hours, that muscle protein synthesis will still be properly activated post-workout if you get the protein in during that time period. It doesn't necessarily have to be an hour or two. But again, everybody's views are different because studies show different things. Another couple of things when it comes to meal timing, ketosis, you guys have all heard of the keto diet, I'm sure. Ketosis is the state during which your body's glucose levels are low. Your glycogen storage has been depleted, has been depleted. So it creates what's called ketone bodies. So this is when your body starts to recruit fat and ketones for energy. And a lot of people think that ketones are the brain's primary and preferred fuel source. And so ketones are only created when glucose energies have been, or glucose levels, excuse me, have been depleted. So if you give yourself enough digestive rest to where glucose has been depleted and then ketones are released and your brain can use those ketones for energy, then you have more clarity of thought and clarity in your brain, which is why a lot of people report those benefits from fasting and things of that nature. And lastly, in order to reduce blood glucose and insulin spikes, you don't want to have sugar on an empty stomach. You kind of want to have fiber, fats, or protein to help manage your glucose and insulin responses. So that's kind of another thing to be thinking about when it comes to 
meal timing. And so a few practical things that you can implement. Number one is you want to at least fast for 12 hours every single day. That's really not that hard. That means if you eat, finish eating at 7 p.m., then you eat at 7 a.m. the next day. If you're in a late eater and you finish at 8, then 8 a.m. That's not that hard at all. Everybody should be able to give themselves enough digestive rest for 12 hours every single night. And then if you're ready for it, depending on what your lifestyle is, depending on what your goals are, then I would try to increase that fasting from 12 hours to 14 to 16 hours, maybe one to two times a week to further give you the autophagy benefits of killing off some of those unhealthy cells and further benefits of being in a state of ketosis so you can burn fat for energy and your body or your brain has the ability to use ketones, its preferred energy source, thought to be this preferred energy source by many. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That was the second three rules of the six rules to eating healthy. This podcast episode is jam-packed. And more than anything, I want you to identify a few of the things that I talked about today to start implementing into your lifestyle. Because these six rules are like, if you're doing these six rules, you are in ideal health. You are optimizing your nutrition. Depending on where you're at, you don't need to do all six. If you're just kind of way out in left field, not even close to optimizing your nutrition, Pick one of these six rules to dial in on and focus on that for the next few weeks. Focus on that for the next few weeks and then maybe add another rule when you're ready. But I wanted to lay them out for you so you have a little bit more of a sense of what optimal nutrition looks like. And then again, make sure you go to nickcarrier.com to download the ebook called Six Rules to Healthy Eating. But a quick overview one more time. Rule one, eat the right carbs, making sure you get adequate amounts of fiber. Rule number two, eat the right carbs, making sure you manage your your glucose and insulin levels. Rule number three is eat high-quality fats, making sure that you get the proper ratio of omega-6 to omega-3s. Rule number four was eat high-quality protein because where it comes from matters. Rule number five is optimizing your food preparation, especially using the right oils and preparing your meats properly. And then rule number six was maximize the benefits of meal timing based on your goals. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Make sure you share it with a friend or family member who is looking to optimize their nutrition, who's looking to take their health and their fitness to the next level. All I have to do is to send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. I hope these six rules, when you download it at nickcarrier.com, will help you get closer and closer to your health and fitness goals and ultimately help you get closer to your best you. 